If you would, please turn in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. We are going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 27 through 35 today. How you treat others shows how God will treat you. I'm going to do something a little different today by beginning our time together by reading a portion of Scripture from the book of Matthew. And I want you to listen carefully to what Jesus Christ says as I read from Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. Jesus is telling His disciples what is going to happen on Judgment Day, when He, the Son of Man, examines the people who are brought before Him and determines whether they will be welcomed into the kingdom of heaven or be thrown into everlasting punishment in hell. And in Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46, Jesus says this to His disciples. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right but the goats on the left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, You who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it. To me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, You did not do it 
to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Jesus is clear that those who will enter his kingdom are those who showed love to his people. While those who do not show love to his people will be eternally condemned. Now when people hear that story, they can often jump to to two very different but two very wrong conclusions. The first is to think that Jesus is saying that we must work our way to heaven by loving others. That our salvation is based on our own personal goodness. That loving others can earn us a spot in God's kingdom. But that goes firmly against everything that we see in the book of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said that those who get into the kingdom of heaven are those who are poor in spirit, who recognize their spiritual bankruptcy, who mourn over their sin, who are meek as they see the greatness and the holiness of God and the weakness and the sin of themselves, who hunger and thirst for a righteousness they know they do not have but know they desperately need. Those are the ones who will be saved. And in Matthew 11, Jesus urged people not to work their way to him, but to humbly come to him for salvation. And in Matthew 20, Jesus makes clear that he came to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to die to pay for our sins so that all believers could be set free from sin and death. That was further emphasized in Matthew 26 where Jesus said that his blood would be poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus was and is the Son of God who came to save his people by living a perfect life, dying a sacrificial death, and defeating death by rising from the dead. And he clearly proclaimed that people don't earn their salvation by showing love to others, but are saved by humbly confessing their own sin and coming to Jesus in humble faith, trusting in him alone as their Savior and as their Lord. But an equally wrong idea about the passage that we just read from Matthew is to just ignore it. To wrongly say that since we are saved by faith alone, loving others has nothing to do with our eternal destiny. But again, Jesus was clear in the passage we read that those who will enter his kingdom are those who show love to his people. While those who do not show love to his people are those who will be eternally condemned. Jesus is telling us That true, saving faith in Him always results in loving others. If you have humbly come to Jesus in faith, 
and been saved by his life and his death and his resurrection, you will then, because you have been saved and transformed, then treat his people with love. Those with true faith are changed into people who love others. Now, Jesus does not say we are going to be perfect towards others while we were on this earth. And all believers still struggle with sin. But our overall treatment of others should be changed. And the love or the lack of love that we display to others will show that we have true faith and will enter God's kingdom or will show that we do not have true faith and will stand condemned on Judgment Day. How you treat others shows how God will treat you. And that truth of salvation is true both in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. And it is a truth that we're going to see clearly described in our passage today. Folks, as I've studied this passage from Proverbs, I've found it to be one of the most convicting passages that we've gone through yet. But conviction is, is a good thing. As this passage can help, can help push believers to live out our faith by loving the people who are around us. And it can push false believers to see their need to trust in Jesus and be transformed. It can expose the, the selfishness that lives in every single one of our hearts and motivate us towards sacrificial love towards others. So with that in mind, please look with me at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 27 through 35, as we look at the truth that how you treat others shows how God will treat you. Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 27. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow I will give it, when you have it with you. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace." Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its clarity, and we thank you for its power. I ask, Lord God, that as we look at this passage, that we would understand what you are saying to us today, that we would be 
affected. That we would not just come to understand the meaning of the passage, but that we would apply it into our own lives. That we would be different this week because of what you have to say to us today. We do thank you that your word is living and active. It exposes us. It convicts us. It transforms us. It gives us comfort. And it changes us into who you want us to be. We thank you for that, Lord God, and I ask that you would bless our time together. In your name we pray. Amen. The purpose of the book of Proverbs is to show you the importance and the benefits of wisdom and to push you to live a life of wisdom. Wisdom is not a bunch of esoteric, academic, theoretical information that's just reserved for for, for scholars at the university. Wisdom is where the rubber meets the road. It is skill in living. It shows us how to live a successful life in God's sight. We have seen that wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord, a submissive reverence and humble respect for the holy creator, king, and judge of the universe. And in Proverbs chapter 3, wisdom has taught us to remember God's teaching, to submit to God, trust Him, honor Him, and to pursue wisdom as it gives true and lasting happiness, is infinitely valuable, and provides real and eternal protection. And now as we come to the final section of Proverbs chapter 3, we see how wisdom should affect the way that we treat other people. Those who are truly wise will have love for others, and the love we have for others will reveal the way God will act towards us. In other words, how you treat others shows how God will treat you. We're going to divide the passage we're looking at today into three parts that give us the three main commands of the passage. First, do good to your neighbor in verses 27 through 28. Second, don't do evil to your neighbor in verses 29 through 31. And third, consider the consequences for how you treat your neighbor. In verses 31 through 35. If you want to better follow along, there is an outline of our sermon on the back of your bulletin. We begin with, do good to your neighbor. Proverbs 3 again, verses 27 through 28 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Loving the people around us involves more than than just not stealing stuff and not murdering others. Loving them also involves proactively doing good to them. Verse 27 says the people we need to do good to are those to whom it is due. Meaning we are to do good to those who are owed goodness. And verse 28 says that we are to do good to our neighbor. Now the question that you should be asking yourself right now is, who is owed 
goodness. Who is my neighbor? Well, throughout the book of Proverbs, neighbor is not just referring to those who live immediately right next to you, but is a, is a general term for anyone you come in contact with. The Old Testament law also affirmed that neighbor was anyone you came in contact with, saying in Leviticus 19.18, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now there are some who have argued that neighbor is more narrow and, and does not refer to all that you come in contact with. A scholar tried to suggest this while talking to Jesus in Luke chapter 10. But what did Jesus say in response to that scholar? He gave the parable about the Good Samaritan, where, where Jew was helped by a passing Samaritan who showed compassion on the Jew, even though Samaritans and Jews lived in separate areas and normally hated one another. Jesus used this story to show that your neighbor is anyone that you encounter and that you are obligated to show love to every person you come in contact with. So according to the Old Testament and according to Jesus Christ, who is owed goodness from you? Who is your neighbor? Every single person you meet. Male or female, adult or child, black or white, Hispanic or Asian, they are your neighbor. The farmer who lives just down the road from you and the clerk that you see at Dillon's in Salina. The person you see every day at work or school and the person that you just meet once in the line at the DMV. The guy you are close friends with and the fellow that you kind of dislike. Every person that you encounter with, that you encounter in life, that is your neighbor. And it's your responsibility to do good to them. Again, verse 27 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. We're not to keep back good from people we encounter. Good is something that is due them. God says we owe goodness to them. The word, word uh, good here is a general term that refers to anything that is beneficial to others. The people around us should benefit from being around us, whether that is from receiving material physical, relational, emotional, or spiritual good from us. You are not to hold back doing good to those around you when it is in your power to do it. If you have the ability to do good to someone and choose not to do it, you're disobeying God. If you can help others, you must help others. Now, obviously, sometimes it is not in your power to help some people. 
You probably cannot adopt 20 kids, give $10 million to missionaries, volunteer 80 hours a week at the homeless shelter, mow the lawns of every old person in your neighborhood, evangelize at Walmart every single weekday, spend every weekend talking with seniors at the nursing home, give away all your food and fix every car of every person that you meet. All of us here are limited in what resources we have and we're limited in what abilities and what time we have. Work, school, family, rest, time with God, and other things are good for us to be involved with, and we sometimes do not have the power to do some good things for those in need. But it is in our power to do a lot of good to a lot of people who are around us. That good could be cheerfully helping the farmer in the field next to you harvest his crops. It could be talking to that lonely person at work or at church and inviting them to to meet up for coffee. It could be making a meal for someone who is sick. It could be letting someone borrow your car or letting them stay in your house rent-free. It could be writing someone an encouraging letter or even just texting someone a Bible verse. It could be telling your unbelieving neighbor about the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. It could be setting aside some time every week to to pray for someone who is depressed or to pray for someone who is struggling with sin. It could be inviting a family over to your house for dinner. It could be thinking up encouraging and uplifting things to say to the people at church. It could be visiting someone who is in the hospital. It could be shoveling snow from the driveway of the older lady next door. It could be volunteering to babysit someone else's kids. It could be giving someone some cash. It could be volunteering to study the Bible with someone from church. It could be showing kindness and thankfulness to the store clerk at the register at Dillon's. It could be helping someone fix their phone or computer or car or toilet. There are all sorts of ways to do good to the people around you. And although you might not have the power to do everything, you do have the time, abilities, and resources to do a lot of good to your neighbors. So, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Also, recognize that God wants you to do good right now. Meaning you're not to procrastinate doing good. Look at verse 28 of Proverbs 3. It it says, Do not say to your neighbor, Go and come again tomorrow, I will give it, when you have it with you. Solomon, the main author of Proverbs, is illustrating something that can commonly happen in our lives. Someone needs help. We have the ability to give them help, but instead of giving them help right away, we say or think, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it. We try to get rid of the person by by putting off when we will help them. 
if you have the ability or resources to help, if you have it with you, you're not to delay in meeting the need of your neighbor. If you can do good now, don't put it off. Don't postpone doing someone good when you can do them that good right now. Sometimes we can delay doing good because we are lazy. We don't want to put in the effort that it takes to do someone else good. Sometimes we delay because we struggle with selfishness. We're only thinking about ourselves. Sometimes we delay because we're uncaring. We don't feel like showing compassion to others. But whatever the reason that that we struggle with, God is commanding you and I to stop stalling and to get busy in doing good to others. Instead of saying to our neighbor, go and come again, tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you, we are instead commanded to immediately do good. So, how can you do good to your neighbors this week? You encounter people at work, at at school, at the store, your, your neighborhood, the church, the post office, at many other places. And God wants you to do whatever you can to benefit them. So I encourage you to think, how can I do good to my neighbors this week. Well, our passage does not end with this command to do good to your neighbors. It also tells us what not to do to our neighbors, which leads us to our next point. Don't do evil to your neighbor. Don't do evil to your neighbor. Proverbs chapter 3 Verses 29 through 31 says, Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. Sin starts on the inside. It starts in our head. It starts in our heart. God cares about what you think about. Therefore, God tells us not to even think about doing evil to those around you. Verse 29 says, Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. You are not to plan, not to imagine or devise ways in your head to cause harm to someone else. You're not to come up with evil plots against those you come in contact with. Not to think of ways to to, to hurt them. Whether that be physical violence, insults, slander, gossip, lies, or whatever else. You are not to plan evil against those around you. And this verse emphasizes that you're not to harm those who dwell trustingly beside you. Meaning, these people who feel secure, they suspect nothing bad from you. You are not to take advantage of their vulnerability and plot against them. 
It also says in verse 30, Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. The word contend has the idea of striving against someone, fighting, causing conflict. It can involve verbal quarreling or physical fighting or starting a a legal case against someone. And Solomon says that we are not to contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. If someone has done you no harm, don't go and pick a fight with them. We don't want to act like the wicked. In fact, we shouldn't even desire to be like the wicked. Verse 31 says, Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. Now, people can be wicked in a lot of different ways, but since Solomon's main focus in this passage is telling us how we should treat our neighbor, he specifically focuses on a sin that cannot be done in private, a sin that is against others, violence. You are not even to envy a man of violence. You're not to be jealous of an evil person. You're not to desire to be like someone who harms others. Again, do you notice the truth that sin starts on the inside? It begins with your thoughts. It begins with your desires. God cares about what's going on inside of you. And you're commanded to not let your longings, your thoughts, be focused on doing evil. And when we sinfully cause harm to others, it is 100% our fault. As verse 31 says, Do not envy a man of violence, and do not choose any of his ways. When we sin against our neighbor, it's not an accident. It's not an unfortunate fluke. It's not something that just happens. If we follow the example of the wicked, if we choose any of his ways, the guilt is on us. So we are not to cause conflict with our neighbor. We are not to copy the violent behavior of the wicked. We are not to plan harm against our neighbor. And we are not even to envy those who harm others. In other words, don't do evil to your neighbor. And these commands to do good to those around you and not evil are commands with massive consequences that are built in, that are attached to them. And these consequences are supposed to make us think very carefully about how you and I treat our neighbors. Which leads us to our last point. Consider the consequences for how you treat your neighbor. Consider the consequences for how you treat your neighbor. Proverbs 3, verses 32 through 35. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. Solomon explains four punishments 
that will come when we live a lifestyle that's not focused on doing good to our neighbor. And Solomon explains four rewards that we will receive if we live a lifestyle of truly loving our neighbor. These punishments and these rewards are meant to push us to carefully consider what will happen to those who live a certain way. And these punishments and rewards are meant to motivate us to love our neighbors. So here are four verses that give us contrasting consequences. Consequences that show us that we need to make a choice. Number one, hated or loved by God. Hated or loved by God. Verse 32, for the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. That word for is a very important word. It links this verse and the ones that follow back to Solomon's commands to do good to your neighbor and not to do evil to your neighbor. We are to do good and not evil for The devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. Those who are devious, meaning crooked, perverse, those who depart from the right way, they are an abomination to the Lord. The word abomination is referring to something that is utterly detestable. Something that turns your stomach. Something that you really really hate. If you want to be detestable to God, then depart from loving your neighbor. Folks, this is something that is really horrifying to think about. You can have the creator of the universe, the king of kings, the one who holds the destiny of yourself in his hands, you can have that almighty God hate you. One of the popular sayings you've probably all heard at one time in your life is that God hates the sin but loves the sinner. Folks, that's not true. According to our text and many others, God can and does hate people. If your lifestyle is marked by doing evil to others and not actively doing good to others, then according to what we just read, you will be a detestable abomination to God. God will hate you. But the upright are in his confidence. The upright, those who are obediently following God's commands about loving others, are in God's confidence. This is referring to being in the inner counsel of God, hearing his secrets, being given his guidance, being an intimate friend of God. In other words, this has to do with being loved by God. Those who live a lifestyle of love towards others will be loved by God. If you are marked by doing good, not evil to your neighbor, then you will be God's friend. Folks, everyone is either going to be 
taken away from God, removed from his presence, or brought near to God. They are all going to either be hated or loved. The next contrasting consequence we see is number two, cursed or blessed by God. Cursed or blessed by God. Verse 33 says, The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. The wicked will receive God's curse, meaning the Lord of the universe will deliver you over to misery if you are one of the wicked. But the righteous will be blessed by God. God will give them eternal prosperity. And this curse or blessing will come upon your house, your dwelling, meaning that all that you hold dear in this world, including your possessions, your family, will either be affected by God's curse or God's blessing. Those whose attitudes and actions towards others is wicked get God's curse while those who respond righteously to their neighbors will receive God's blessing. Next we see number three, scorned or favored by God. Scorned or favored by God. Verse 34 says, Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. Those who are scorners, who arrogantly mock others, are going to be scorned by God. Their prideful mockery will result in the judge of all the universe mocking them. But those who are humble, God will give them his favor. God's grace, his approval will rest on the humble. And finally, we move to number four, disgraced or honored by God. Verse 35, the wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. Now, Proverbs talks about fools quite often. And when it speaks of fools, it's not talking about people who are intellectually dumb. It's talking about people who are morally stupid. It's talking about people who are arrogantly opposed to following God's truth, who insanely want to go their own way rather than listen to the wisdom of God. These morally stupid people who have opposed God's truth about loving your neighbor will get nothing but disgrace. Their opposition to wisdom earns them eternal shame, leads to God holding them in contempt and their reputation being utterly destroyed. On the other hand, the wise, those who have accepted God's knowledge and obtained skill in living, they will inherit honor. Those who have accepted God's knowledge and obtained skill in living, they will take permanent possession of honor, receiving a respect, divine recognition, and a good reputation that will last forever. According to what we have seen, 
how you and I treat others is a really big deal. It matters to God. But God has given us the wisdom we need to know how to treat those around us. We, we are to proactively, immediately do good to our neighbors, and we are to be careful to not do evil to them. We are not to do that in just a, an external way, but our, our thoughts and desires about our neighbors should, should also be changed. This is the way of wisdom. And remember that Proverbs has taught us that wisdom begins with a fear of the Lord, a submissive reverence and humble respect for the eternal King and Judge of the universe. And if you have that submissive reverence and humble respect for the Judge, you will turn to the Judge's Son, who is the only Savior from judgment. Turning to God and His Son will result in a transformed life that turns us to wisdom. True wisdom affects the way that you treat other people and reveals how the judge will deal with you for eternity. This here should be, should be a powerful motivator to live out our faith, to show the results of our trust in God's Son. For the devious, the wicked, the scorners, the fools, they will be hated by God, cursed by the Creator, scorned by the judge, and be utterly disgraced. But the upright, the righteous, the humble, the wise, they will be loved by God, blessed by the King, given His favor, and granted eternal honor. How you treat your neighbor, it matters. How you treat others shows how God will treat you. Lord God, we again thank you for your word. God, this is a, a convicting passage. All of us here know that we have often failed to love our neighbor like we, we should have. We struggle with laziness, with selfishness. All of us here struggle to do good and not evil. We struggle with sins of commission. We struggle with sins of omission. And we thank you, Lord God, that our salvation is not based on what we can accomplish, but is based on what you have accomplished in Jesus Christ. And we thank you that when you saved your children, you not only saved us from the penalty of sin, but you have begun to save us from the power of sin. You have begun to change us and transform us and make us into people who love those who are around us. I ask God that we would take that to heart, that we would begin to live out our faith, that we would confess any sins that we have, that we would turn away from doing evil to others, and that we would turn to finding ways to do good to those around us. We thank you, Lord God, that you have done good to us. You have done great good to us. You have done good to people who are undeserving. 
And I ask that that would spur us on, that that would motivate us to do good to others as well. We thank you, Lord God, and we thank you for the promise that you will give your people honor. That you will give your people an inheritance. That you will show love to your people. We thank you for that promise. And in your Son's name we pray. Amen.